You know, as a, as a church, uh, today's the conclusion of a series, which I think sometimes we're anxious for, and maybe sometimes we're not, I don't know. Um, but uh, we've been looking at what I believe is a um, God-ordained understanding of ministry. And we've been looking at the reality of ministry within the context of the Word of God and in a very practical way. And so as we started this series, we, we, we began looking at Jesus' life and we recognized that Jesus a lot of times shared food with people. And through the, through the breaking of bread, through the sharing of food, God often did some pretty incredible things. And so where we started this series was just recognizing that we have something, we have a tool in our homes that is imperative for God to use in our lives. And so we all have a table. And so the first understanding was just recognizing the importance of our table. Like just being able to realize that, yeah, it's here, it's important. And then we looked at the next week, because I've seen some tables. We have to declutter our table in order to use our table. You know, sometimes our tables get full of stuff, mail, stuff, dishes, stuff. You know, our kids' toys, whatever it might be, laundry, I don't know. It gets filled with stuff. And so because of the stuff, we have an excuse not to use the tool. Because my table's too cluttered, so I'm not inviting someone over to see my mess. I'm not cleaning my mess. So we have to recognize, yeah, it's an important tool. I have to declutter so I can use my tool. And then I have to commit to using my tool by inviting someone. That was the third week. Like, I want to invite someone to to come to my table. There's something valuable that happens at our table. Again, in that series, in that message, we looked at we invite people to enjoy something we value. When I experience something that is good, I want someone else to experience that. That's why I serve Cincinnati Chili, because I wanted you to experience that. And so we had the invitation, and then after the invitation, we had to decide that big question, what's for dinner? Like, what am I going to serve? Like, what am I going to make this time? What is there, you know, and typically when we're inviting guests, we're trying to make something good. What am I going to make that they'll like? You know, as we talked about the post-playhouse meals, and, and I had to determine as a pastor what I could make. I knew I can do tacos. And I know that I can do tacos pretty well. At least that's what the high school kids seem to think. 30 pounds of taco meat in about 30 minutes is absolutely remarkable, but they managed to do it. So because that's something that we do well, I thought, why not take some tacos out there? Now, what I realized was actors may not eat as much as high school students. But that's okay, because I wanted to give them what's for dinner. And remember what I said, when we decide what's for dinner, if you invite me over, don't forget the salt. Like, make sure we're seasoning things with salt. Make sure it's seasoned with the love and grace of God. And I believe that God does something incredible when we start to put the simple practice of the table in place. And so what I wanted to do this morning, I want to wrap this up with a pretty bow or not so pretty bow, whatever, however you look at it, but I want to kind of bring this to a conclusion. And before we get to the conclusion, I want to go to the start. Like, where was Pastor at when all this started? Like, what was going through my heart? What was happening in me as God began to reveal what I believe is his plan for ministry in our context. What was going on? And there was a portion of Scripture, and it's not very uncommon, that I was 
reading, and it, and it just compelled me. It grabbed me. It made me stop and think. And so this morning, I want to start in that portion of Scripture. I want to go back to the beginning of Pastor and then bring this to the end of today. But, but the reality of what is stirring in me, because I see so much potential. Like I, as, as I think about what God can do if we put into practice His plans for our lives, it's absolutely remarkable what we can do. Recall I was talking, before I get to my scripture, um, we went to Florida at the beginning of summer. And we flew into Orlando and we drove to Tampa and what I found out was there's lots of people. Lots of people. And as I, as a pastor, was in this moment and stuck on the highway, not enjoying the traffic, wondering how do we reach all these people? Like how is it possible to touch all these lives? Like what do I do? I mean, I felt so insignificant there because I thought, man, as a pastor here, it must be such a challenge. Like, how do you look at all that's around you and, and come to the reality that you can impact them? Because God has placed the church here to be an influence. And then I came home. And what stirred in my heart as I came home, I looked around and I saw 950 people. And the reality that we can be a tangible influence where we are. In our community, in, in our county, I think there's less than 5,000 people, isn't it? Like something like that in Dawes County? Seriously. I can wrap my head around 5,000. Around 3 million or 5 million, I can't even fathom. God has given us, He's called us to a purpose that I believe we can accomplish. He's called us to a purpose that I believe we can do excellently. That we can do it efficiently. That we can do it incredibly. But we just haven't engaged. And I believe the tool through which we engage is the table. And I'm going to get to expanding what I believe the table is today. But I believe that as we engage this, this table fellowship, this, this ministry practice that God is going to influence an entire community, an entire county. Now that may not seem big, but I'm telling you, that's huge. That as He influences through us, that, that God has plans to do things that are, that are beyond my understanding. That go beyond Crawford, Nebraska. That go beyond Dawes County. That He's going to use us for why? Because we're putting into practice the plans and purposes He's designed us to do. I'm going to read some verses. Here's where uh, my heart started churning. It was in Acts chapter 2. Father, I pray for Your Word this day. I thank You for the opportunity to be here. I thank You for the opportunity to share Your Word. I thank You for the opportunity to experience Your presence and worship. To feel Your love poured out amongst us to sense the Spirit of God inside of us. I thank you, God, for the Word of God. And I pray, God, that as, as we look at your Word this day, that our hearts and our eyes are opened to your Word. I yield myself to you, God, as the pastor. I yield my voice, my thoughts to you, God. I pray that your very will would be accomplished this day. In this room, God, I pray that we could yield our ears and our hearts to you to receive, God, what you're speaking to us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 2. 
It's talking about the early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke breads in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know a pastor that reads those verses and doesn't become compelled. Like, I read those verses and I wonder what was happening. Like, in the early church, in this this church that was just being launched, there's something there that seems to be revealing tremendous fruit. And as a pastor, I want fruit. And so I wrestle with this. God is doing what? He's adding to their number daily. God is doing some pretty remarkable things in the midst of this moment. And and so I started to ask myself the simple question of why. Like, okay, God, if this is what was, is this what we're experiencing now? You know, in Sunday school this morning, it's a perfect lead-in to where we're at. We were talking about old wineskins and new wineskins and, and, and new wine, that God wants to put new wine and new wineskins. He doesn't put old wine or new wine and old wineskins or else we've got a mess. And so I started to, to ask myself, like, God, like, seriously, okay, I'm a pastor. Is this for us? And if it is, then why? Like, Are we experiencing this? And what began to resonate in my heart was that he added to their numbers daily. That's every day. And you know what I started to think of? Go ahead and pull that next picture up. Because this next picture is kind of what I picture the church as. And so, or I picture our understanding of the church. And what I I think God was, was stirring in me was the reality that the church has actually become a hindrance to what God is is wanting to accomplish. That the church, and I put myself in that conversation, that we've limited what God can do through the function of, of the church. And when I say the church, I mean the church proper. So like... For instance, whatever God's going to accomplish, He's going to accomplish on Sunday morning from sometime about 10 o'clock or 10.15, depending on when we decide to start, to about noon, God's going to do all that He wants to do in our lives. We're going to give God that hour and 45 minutes or that hour and a half to do all that He wants to accomplish. People's lives are going to be saved. People are going to be set free from sin. People are going to be healed. Miracles are going to happen. The incredible is going to happen. People are going to be discipled. They're going to grow. And we limit it through that, through that moment. Or maybe it's not even just the moment of church, the fellowship of Sunday morning, but it's the building. So if God's going to accomplish something, it's going to have to happen in the building. I mean, that's God's house. And so for Him to do something, it's going to have to happen through, through, the, through the function or the structure, the funnel that is the church. And so what I started to question myself was, is this model of church which I don't think is very uncommon, are we limiting 
what God truly wants to accomplish through us. Go to the next slide. And maybe what God wants to do is just kind of flip this over. And so Sundays, this, this focal time, the church, is very imperative. But it's the only the beginning of what God wants to accomplish in your life. It's only the catalyst for what God wants to do in your life. And rather than it being the, the culmination, it's just the start. Because when I'm a part of the church, I'm being filled with His love. And then when I go, and when you go, and when Walt goes, and when Moni goes, we take what God's done in our life, and we go out. And suddenly, what God is doing is using this, uh, this, this funnel to take His kingdom out. The church is an absolutely incredible tool. I believe in the church. I'm not trying to preach myself out of a job right now. But I want to have it flipped the right direction. I want it to accomplish what God desires to accomplish. I want it to be the catalyst, not the limitation on what God can do. The Lord was adding to to their number daily. And that's not Sunday morning only. Or Wednesday night or vacation Bible school. No, daily. As they were meeting in their homes, breaking bread together, God is adding to the kingdom of God. And so as a pastor, I'm looking at this and God's stirring in my heart like, okay, so God, if that's what you're saying, so maybe the the, the church, maybe in some ways, we're limiting what you desire to accomplish. What do we got to do? Like what's important for us? What's important for us to look at? Well, I like Acts chapter 2 because it tells us what they did. Verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to some things. So what was the early church devoted to? Number one was the apostles' teaching. I said that's the Word of God. That's truth. They were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to God's Word. They wanted to see God's Word. They wanted to know God's Word. They wanted to live God's Word. Jesus Christ is the reality of the Word made flesh. So they wanted that experience. They were devoted to that. What else were they devoted to? To the fellowship, it says. Now, the one I read just said fellowship, but a lot of translations read the fellowship. The fellowship is a little bit different than fellowship because we'll talk about fellowship in a second. But the fellowship, I really believe, is they were believing in the corporate purpose of the church. Like they understood why they were gathering together. They understood the importance of of the body of Christ and what was being accomplished. They knew what the plan or the purpose was and they were bought into the purpose of the church. They were devoted to the purpose of the church. What was the purpose of the church? Pastor's got a new sermon. What's the purpose of the church? Okay. I said the purpose of the church and the purpose of our church was to love God, to love people and make an impact in our world. Ultimately, that's what they were devoted to. They were devoted to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were devoted to the purpose of the church. What were they devoted to? 
to the breaking of bread. Huh? Go ahead and pull up number three because that's what it says. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Man, I can get on board with a church that's devoted to eating. And looking around this room, I'm not the only one. I'm not looking at anybody right now. I'll close my eyes. I'll get myself in big trouble. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. What is that? That's genuine fellowship. That's table fellowship. They were devoted to, to this concept that we've been talking about for the last four weeks. I want to share my life with someone else. I want to share my home with someone else. I want to share what I value with someone else. I want to do this together. They were devoted to breaking bread and let me tell you, I don't read about breaking bread alone very often in the Scripture. Breaking bread was absolutely the, the idea of, of sharing life with someone else. They were devoted to prayer. That was trusting in God to do what God would do. And that's it. That's, that's all it talks about in those verses. This is what they were devoted to. This is what the, the early church was about. They were about the, the word of truth. They were about, or the apostles teaching, whatever you want to say. They were about the fellowship, which is the purpose at which they're involved in. Like they knew what they were involved in, why they were involved, and what they wanted to accomplish. So then they wanted to be around the people that were accomplishing the purpose with them. And they trusted that God would do what God said he would do. And what does God do? What is the product of their devotion? Many, many wonders and miraculous signs. We look at the products sometimes. These are cool products. Now, look at what God produces when we're devoted to the correct things. There were many uh, wonders and miraculous signs. The believers were together, and it says that they had everything in common. What does that mean? That communicates that, that there was community. Man. The product of their devotion was community. What did their community look like? What was the product of their community? It was absolutely compassion, right? Because it says in that verse that they saw someone in need. What did they do? They took care of it. They sold stuff if they had to. Why did they do that? Why would they sell stuff and help someone else out? Because they had compassion. You see, what I see is a church that genuinely loves one another. There's community, there's compassion. They're, they're breaking bread in their homes, it says in that verse. They're breaking bread together. There's table fellowship that is, that is happening when they get together. And you know what I love? As we read those verses, I want to read it again just because... I think we miss this part of table fellowship sometimes. They broke bread in their homes. This is verse 46 of chapter 2. And ate together with. And someone in this room might need to underline this part. Glad and sincere hearts. There was a genuine joy in them. 
in breaking bread together. It was not a law. It wasn't because Paul, or it wasn't because at this point Peter said, hey, you got to go break bread with someone. So because Peter said it, I'm going to do it. I don't care if you want to be here or not. Sit down and eat meal. No, it said they had glad and sincere hearts as they were breaking bread together. Why? Because they liked each other. No, they loved each other. There was community, there was compassion, there was fellowship, there was genuine joy that was expressed within the body of Christ. If I played a word association game with people, and I just said church, and tell me the first word that comes to your mind, I bet I'm talking to a lot of people before I hear joy. I bet I'm talking to a lot of people before I hear them say the church means joy. What are we missing? What are we limiting? God's desire. God, God, when, when I'm used, you know what makes me feel good? You know what makes me have a glad and sincere heart? It's doing what I'm made to do. Like, you know what, what compels me? I've talked to pastors who say they get worn out when they preach. I do not get worn out when I preach. I sweat a lot. You guys might think I get tired, but I don't get worn out at all. Because there's a joy in functioning how God made me to be. There's a sincerity in my life in being in the pulpit that brings joy in my life. When we're doing what God created us to do, there should be joy in doing it. If there's not joy in doing it, then we need to look at the why. We need to look at the what. We need to look at the who. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. Have I ministered without joy? Absolutely. But as a product of my devotion, because it says in those verses, they were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Who were they enjoying the favor of? Like just the church people, right? I mean, just the ones that they were eating dinner with, right? I mean, just the ones that came to the same church and, and said they were members of Christ Community Church, those were the ones that they were enjoying the favor of. Or maybe the other people that like have the Assemblies of God card in their back pocket, like that was the ones that we were, you know, no. We were enjoying the favor of all the people. Let me tell you, that speaks to a reputation. Because of who they were, the sincerity of their hearts, people had favor on them. There was something genuine about them and that caused the world, their, their, their community, to recognize the genuineness of their life. Where did the genuineness that come? Don't forget the devotion. They were devoted to God's Word. They were devoted to, to, to the fellowship, to the purpose. They were devoted to, 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 to being together, community. They, they were devoted to prayer. I mean, that's what they were devoted to. But, but the product of that 
was that people saw them, and this is Pastor Steve's uh, interpretation of this verse, because I couldn't find a better interpretation of it. I looked even at the Amplified, because he always has lots of words to write, but he didn't change it much. People looked at them, they saw something indifferent in them, and they had favor on them. They recognized there was something unique about this people because of the way they lived and because of what they were doing, because of their compassion, because of their community, because of their joy, because of their expectation, and they they were drawn to that. How do I know they were drawn to that? Because the next verse says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I like that. What is that? What is that? Which is how people described our church. Like if someone was taking like five verses in a in a pretty big book and they were just putting a little nugget about our church. What if that was what they said? Why not? Why not? It wasn't that hard. They were just devoted to the truth. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to the purpose. They were trusting in God. Why not? Because the reality of what I've been preaching, the reality of what I've been sharing, is this simple fact. I've been talking about a table, and maybe some people say, yeah, I've checked off the boxes. I cleaned off my table. I did what you asked, Pastor. I invited someone over for dinner. Let me tell you this reality that I see in the early church. The body of Christ is the table. You are the table at which the bread of life, at which the living water of Jesus Christ is to be served. You are absolutely the table through which God wants people to have fellowship. He wants people to have table fellowship. That's glad and sincere hearts when they talk to you. That's, that's a joy. That's, that's, that's the meeting of their needs. You are the table. Your life is the table. Your life is the opportunity for someone to have communion with the Father. You know, once a month we set a table up here and, and we have communion together. Your life is, is the table through which communion is being served to, to the world. Let me tell you, we talked about the table. You need to prioritize your life. Your life is valuable. Let me tell you, your life is important. Your life has incredible purpose. Your life has the potential for impact if you would only use it. Just like the table sitting in your home has incredible purpose, it has incredible value, it has incredible potential. If you don't use it, it doesn't happen. You are the table. Your life has incredible purpose in the kingdom of God. So you need to declutter. I get it. I get it. Life can be busy. I get it. There's so much stuff that comes in that we don't know what to do with that we just stack it up.
I think it's Hebrews chapter 3. I could be wrong. Let us throw off everything that so easily entangles and run the race that's been marked out before us. If you have not decluttered your life, if you have not set your life apart for the purpose that God has, get rid of some stuff. It's okay.